0: Hello, and welcome back to the Curious One podcast. My name is Emma Krebs. I created this podcast to be able to have conversations that were lacking through my daily interactions, as I always felt the longing to dive deeper. This space is for meaningful conversations that I hope help to broaden my perspectives and maybe even yours as well. Jody Stoski is a Calgary native and an inspiring entrepreneur with a fascinating story. Jodi originally started her career as a makeup artist and quickly expanded to learn about and offer paramedical makeup and cosmetic tattooing. In 2013, Jodi was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and underwent a thyroidectomy. She was left with a large scar on her neck where she began to put her own skills to the test to camouflage her very own cancer scar. Jodi is now the founder of Cinnamon Girl Clinic that offers both paramedical and cosmetic tattooing. Jodi has treated well over 10,000 paramedical and cosmetic patients and truly is an expert in her field. Paramedical tattoos can be used to treat acne, stretch marks, alopecia, radiation markers, 3D areola and nipple tattoos, as well as scar and skin camouflage. During our conversation, Jody and I chatted about the necessary skills she learned that led to her success, what it's really like working alongside your spouse. Jodi also shared about her own experience with thyroid cancer, some of the biggest lessons she's learned over her career, what was actually happening behind the scenes when her recent TikTok went viral, advice she would give to those that want to market their business online and more. I hope that you enjoy this episode, may be inspired, may be curious, and may learn more about yourself as we learn about others. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome everyone back to a brand new episode of the Curious One Podcast. Today, we're joined by an inspirational woman that I am so excited to get to know on a deeper level. Um, We are joined by creator, educator, CEO, Artist, mom, fill in more blanks. Boss, babe, Jody Stosky. So, thank you so much for joining me today, Stos- uh, Jody. It's a it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Oh well, thanks, Emma, for having me. I'm excited to do this with you today.
0: So, you are a um, you're the CEO and founder of Cinnamon Girl Clinic, and I think that might be a really good place to start. What is Cinnamon Girl Clinic, and what services do they offer?
1: So we are located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and Cinnamon Girl Clinic has been alive and well since 2008, and the services that we provide are probably about 50% cosmetic and then 50% paramedical. So we can start with the cosmetic. So cosmetic typically falls under brows, eyes, and lips. And those are really, I think, quite popular services now versus, you know, say 10 years ago when people, you know, they didn't even know it existed. And so that's kind of the realm of cosmetic. And then paramedical is actually a little bit bigger. Um, so paramedical tattooing is anything that falls under, usually if someone has been through um, some type of illness or injury, it leaves them potentially with scars or reminders of those things. And paramedical tattooing is is there to basically help minimize that and if possible completely camouflage it so anything from doing 3d areolas after a mastectomy to um, burns skin grafts stretch marks um, post-surgical scars even more cosmetic stuff like facelifts or breast augmentations
0: it is I never really knew that it existed until I came across you and your work. And I am always blown away by what you can camouflage or what you can create. Like it really is art. And it's so inspiring to really hear these people's healing journey along the way as you're also um, doing these procedures with them. So I'm curious. I know you didn't start out as a PMU artist. What were you doing before you were doing PMU and what got you into it? Because It seems like it's a pretty new industry. Am am I right to say that?
1: You know, I want to say new. Um, Like, kind of with air quotes, it it has been around for a long time, but I think it's evolved. And you know, how you just said you didn't even know it existed. A lot of people kind of don't know until you know, you know. Mm. So sometimes it was like, oh my gosh, my friend had this done, or, um, you know, you came across it because you have alopecia and you have no brows and you're trying to figure out if there's a solution to you trying to figure out how you don't need to put them on every single morning. Um, So, PMU. It was not on my radar. However, I had had PMU done ages and ages ago, so I didn't know about it. Um, At the time, I was a makeup artist. Um, I had been a makeup artist for 18 years, and, and in doing that, it was a super common comment that people would say, gosh, I just wish I had you in my bathroom every morning and you could do this for me. And I mean, that always resonated. And I taught a lot of makeup lessons. I worked in print film. Um, I did different shows in Europe. And so then once the PMU thing came across my plate, it was like, oh my gosh, like this is a way for me to be in these people's bathrooms every morning. So it was kind of serendipitous. The fact that that is sort of how it started. And I was approached um, by a physician who had this going on in her practice and asked if it was something that I wanted to get involved with. And then I was like, absolutely. I was sort of getting towards the end of this makeup journey. We had kids, the traveling part of it was getting to be a bit much. And so I loved the idea. I loved the concept and I kind of jumped in with two feet. So the rest is history. I, I started training um, with this physician and then moved um, over with another doctor who also did this. So I had kind of a unique start um, just with that bit of medical background, which was, I mean, that was my jam. I absolutely loved that part of it as well. So I think to, to have both of those to start with, it was pretty unique and rare. Um, and, and even to this day now, I think it is, but it's, it's starting to change as, you know, I think PMU see the value in paramedical and, you know, that word is, is just, you know, it's gaining popularity and, and people are looking more for those types of services.
0: Mm. Hmm. It's, it's, I'm learning more, like I, I learn more and more about it and it is crazy how big it is growing, but it's so fascinating because at least to me, I, I view you as being one of the experts in the industry. And do you think why you stand out amongst the the rest and we'll, we'll get into some of your successes and, and more of what you're doing now and, and, and beyond just cinnamon girl, et cetera. Um, but do you think because you worked in that, um, In the medical practice, that's kind of what makes you stand out above the rest? Or was, was there other things, elements to who you are that is really making you like that contributed to the success that you have today? Well, I mean, I think one
1: of them is that I just persevered and it was, it was a, it was kind of a steep learning curve because nobody was really doing this. So I had to make a lot of mistakes and, Mm. you know, figure things out on my own. There was really nobody who had done a lot of the things that I was doing. I mean, I definitely had some fundamentals that I'd learned to start with, but beyond that, there was nobody doing that. So it was it was a difficult and uh, steep learning curve. And one of the things that I really enjoy doing now is, is teaching people and eliminating a lot of those steps um, for them as well. So, I mean, anything that made me stand apart, um, I think just kind of going out there and taking on things that people maybe wouldn't have, um, you know, me just saying, you know, I've, I've never done this before, but you know, maybe I can improve this. And, and people a lot of time, especially in paramedical tattooing, aren't looking for perfection, they're looking for improvement. So, you know, I I swear, almost every single person said, said yes to me. So, you know, I'd post these pictures. And I think that was probably what made me stand out. But back in the day, there was no social media. So, eventually Facebook came on the front and I started you know posting and that just I think that caused a massive stir um because literally like at that point in time people did not know about it
0: mm. I'm I'm gonna jump around here now so bear with me um yeah. and we'll, we'll I definitely want to go more into your journey but let's just I want to stick on that topic of you use utilizing social media to really grow your, your brand. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think it really would have helped you create your voice and make you an expert in the industry because that's what social media does now, especially like the medium of podcasting to be an expert. You can definitely utilize social media And so putting yourself out there online and and putting your work online can be a super vulnerable and scary thing sometimes. And so I'm curious, because you've built such a good brand, you've marketed yourself so well, what advice would you give to those people who want to put themselves out on social media and want to really market their brand and their business online And because you've done such a successful job at it?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for saying that because that's the grind of all grinds. And I know... (laughs) I've had a love hate relationship with social media because it is such a monster. It's hard to navigate um, you are putting yourself out there um exposing yourself to trolls, and you know you you really have to develop a thick skin, but it is a non negotiable you have to be out there you have to have those things um, a part of your business if you want to be successful and you do want to grow your brand. Um, one of my big tips, I think like Instagram, I was really late to that party. I definitely wasn't to Facebook. And that was a unique situation for me because that kind of doesn't, it does exist into in TikTok. And I'll just get to that in a second. But what was unique for me was Facebook, you know, came up And I jumped on that right away and literally like within months I had like 20,000 followers, which was just like obscene. You know, I couldn't believe that's what that looked like. And, and that really drove my business. I think that is more challenging for people and new artists to do it right now. But what I will say is, you know, being late to Instagram can be a challenge. And that was me. I just, I really fought the idea of adding more social media because, Facebook took up so much of my time and I had a big following and that was like, that was overwhelming. So adding Instagram, I kind of fought that for a while. And then I was like, I truly was late to that party. Um, you know, it's since grown. Um, but I would say for new PMUs or even just like new people to business that are looking to grow their following, I would, I would really hone in on TikTok.
0: Yeah. Cause yeah, you, had, and- you had something go viral recently.
1: I did. So again, me fighting more social media, which is just like, I guess it's, it's so time consuming. And I just feel like I'm on my phone constantly. I have two kids, you're just trying to be present, trying to run a business and know that this is a critical part about it. And unfortunately, it is social media. And there's just no way to get around um, how time consuming that can be until you maybe can have people helping you or, you know, getting you a little bit of a break when it comes to that. What recently happened on TikTok was I posted a video and up until then, Kevin, my husband was like, Hey, Jody, we have to get on TikTok. You know, this is, it's, it's so important. And I was like, I like cue eyeball roll. I'm like, oh my God. So I didn't really want to participate, but he was just taking um, videos off of my Instagram and posting them. Nothing in like nothing, you know, substantial was happening. And I was just like, yeah, like it's just this whole game over again. So he was, he had posted a few people. I think I had eight followers. It was pretty underwhelming to say the least. And so one night we were sitting around here and we ended up on a conversation um, about social media. And I was like, Kate, you know what? I'll just make a TikTok and like literally Friday night at 9 p.m. I thought you know what I'll just showcase some of the stuff I do because whenever I talk to people or show people some of that work they're always blown away so I thought okay whatever I'll just make a quick video and by quick it took me two hours so (laughs) you know my version of quick is is that because literally some stuff it's you do it, it takes four hours. And then I think it sucks. And I don't ever even post it. So I will say, you know, after doing this for a while, it definitely can get easier. But those there are like the ones that just are a total time suck. And you're like, I don't even like this ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I made this video. And it was it was showcasing, like, I don't know, maybe five cases I had done and put it up there. And was like, okay, whatever. Kevin and I were then talking afterwards about, you know, how it's hard to navigate what people like. Plus I had never been on TikTok before. So I was, he, he and I were kind of going back and forth and he was saying, you know, maybe it's too much information or, you know, people don't have such a short attention span that maybe it just isn't, is, you know, people just scroll, right? Like it just isn't enough to capture them. And you don't really know what that magic ticket is, um, until sometimes it just happens to you and something goes viral. I had it happen um, once before on Instagram and like, it was nothing to do with my work. It was just a funny video. And that one hit um, just over half a million. And again, you're just like, I have no idea like algorithms, you know, what, uh, what happened there? I don't even know. It's hard to duplicate. So TikTok post it, And we're kind of having this conversation, like sort of being like, almost like poo-pooing this TikTok that I had done. And the next day, so I don't know if you're on TikTok, but when you open it up, there'll be like a little head of a person and like their upper torso. And that represents like how many people started following you. So I went from like, you know, under 10 followers to like thousands of people following me, like constantly, like I'd open the screen and there'd be like, 1500 new followers. And then I'd open the screen like a little bit later and there was like 2000 new followers. I was just like, Oh my God, like this is really taking off. And, um, then so short, so that happened Friday night. And then on Saturday, um, we started getting contacted by media saying, Hey, like we, we love your content. We saw your video going viral on TikTok, And at this point in time, it was a hundred thousand, which I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Um, so we were like, so excited. We're like, Oh my God. And people were commenting like to Ellen and Kelly Clarkson saying like, you should have her on. This is amazing. So after, you know, we're, we're getting this, this media interest and like by big places, I had an agency reach out saying like, we want to represent you. So all these people that were wanting to, um, you know, like write a story. Um, There was a place in the UK that said, you know, we want to send a camera crew over and video like a day in your life and, and watch you work. Like it all just happened so fast. It was really exciting. And then our video got taken down. So we were like crushed. And it was because it was like violating TikTok um, regulations because of there was um, a breast that I had done with a mastectomy. So it was an areola. I mean, very clearly, like a completely, you know, not botched, but like a very surgical, um, augmented looking breast. And um, so we, we had that taken down and we were crushed, crushed. Like, so Kevin went and um, appealed it. And I thought, there's no way we did some research. It's bots. Like the bot's gonna, you know, maybe allow it to go on. I thought there's no way I'm like, that's done. So we were like, well, that was a fun ride while it lasted. And I think we were maybe at like 600,000 and, but it's gone and that's it. Like you just, you're it's, it was so deflating um, and defeating. So we went and appealed it, and the video ended up getting put back up. We were like ecstatic. It got put back up at like eleven at night, and we were sitting in bed, and we both got drinks. We're like, we have to celebrate. <laughs> this is so incredible. So, <laughs> anyway, so the video got put back up, and then it it took off again, and it just continues um, to do that. So we've had a really cool, um, you know, not only like media buzz about that. We've been um, posted in the mirror. We've been picked up by as far as news. Um, outlets in Malaysia. And we continue to have, like, we have a lot of things happening just behind the scenes right now that I can't talk about, but yeah, it's been such a crazy, exciting ride.
0: It's so crazy. Like the power of the internet, but something I find interesting is, especially since you have a big platform, so you kind of know when things kind of kick off, but i see a lot of people go viral for something but then and they're popular in that moment but they don't capitalize on the opportunity Mm business-wise and mm -hmm. so um you maybe this would be a time to talk about like your academy and things like that but how you are utilizing such your your large platform to generate business and go even now beyond just um physically being a tattoo artist um but how do you incorporate that into your business because so many people have all these followers but That can mean nothing if you're not utilizing the opportunity that you have.
1: Yeah, I heard a story once that, um, you know, a person with a million followers um, wanted to launch this t-shirt and sell it and couldn't sell more than 10. So it, you know, monetizing that or even just making the most out of that from a professional standpoint uh, is tricky. And and I think a lot of people just don't know how to navigate it. Uh, What we did was we interacted with every single comment or as many as we could, like as the ones that I thought were really valuable to interact. And there's like, I don't know, 8,000 comments. So, you know, talking to people, being a real person, and then figuring out like, okay, where could this go from here? In my academy, I have students all over the world. So people would send in, um, you know, pictures, and like submit this online consult form that we had and they're from New York so we would um, you know review that and then like kind of start an email conversation back and forth and then send them to one of our artists in New York and so it's it's supporting each other and knowing that you know there is that community but you know think you have to think I hate saying outside the box, but you have to think outside the box as to like, how, what can we do to take this to the next level? And, you know, if you do have an opportunity to go viral, it's, you know, the thing that's tricky with it is if it's business related, awesome. For my other video that went viral, it was just a comedy one. So it's like, how do you take advantage of that. How do you grow your business? Those, those became followers that were maybe just like, Oh my God, this girl's funny. Or I liked that content. Um, But those are volatile followers. They, you know, they may see the rest of my content pop up and it's like really medical based and then they, they unfollow. So there's certain times that I think it's, you really want to like seize the day and that opportunity and others, it's just, you know, something, something that happens and, you know, it's just fun to, you know, have something like that go on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can save them. And then maybe in the future, um, they'll make, you'll make, you just have more people to, to show your, um, your business to. I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I have so many questions. I want to go from there. Um, uh, maybe <laughs> I'll keep it on the business note here. Um, so you've mentioned your, your husband a couple times. And so mm-hmm. you guys work quite closely together. Was that yeah. always The plan and what has that experience been like working together?
1: Oh my God. Okay. Hard. No, that was never the plan. (laughs) Even to this day, I kind of can't believe that's what's happening. (laughs) So um, my husband was in oil and gas for forever. Um, He most recently was at Suncor and he's in procurement and just like, honestly, the downtown grind, that was his life. I can't say he loved it, but it's definitely, um, you know, he was good at it. It was what he knew. And there was no thought on, okay, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. He was not looking for a career change. And as Cinnamon Girl and the Academy started growing, I kept hiring people. And so COVID had happened. There was this transition with him working at home um, and over COVID, Kevin had a bit of a health issue that made him feel maybe that he didn't want to go to Suncor. And I think that was probably the blessing in disguise. So as I'm hiring more people, he's feeling not so much that he wants to go back to Suncor. And one day I just said to him, I'm like, you know, would you be interested in doing this with me? But before I said that, I actually talked to a lot of my colleagues. It's, It's super common in my industry. Um, for people that have grown their business to bring their husbands on. So it wasn't mm-hmm. this crazy concept. I would have never thought of it before because I thought, I'll just ruin our marriage and we're going to end up in divorce. Plus, I think it's healthy to have your own things going on. So it just, that was never something I thought would happen. Um, so fast forward, everyone was like, "Jody, I think it's a great idea. You should totally do this. And so they gave me the confidence. And then that's when I asked um, and, and he was like, yeah, I think that would be amazing. So, you know, we started, he was so overwhelmed and um, cause just like such different worlds, right? Like oil mm-hmm. and gas and plunking him into this world of, you know, paramedical tattooing <laughs> and cosmetic tattooing, like <laughs> just such a fish out of water. But um, he would say to me time and time again, when this first started, he's like, I cannot believe you're doing this, by yourself. And he just literally walked around in shock. He would say that to me like 10 times a day. And this is why I was like so desperate to hire people. I was just drowning in everything that was happening. And I was, everything kind of was like falling through the cracks. So anyways, we've since gotten tons of systems. We've hired more people and yeah, it's amazing. It is working so well. I would have never anticipated that. So yeah, I, I love it. I know not everybody could do that with their spouse and everyone always says like, oh, so how's that working out for you? Because I think they're thinking I'm going to say like, oh, I would like to murder him most Mm -hmm. days, but we do very different things um, in the two businesses. So yeah, it works. It's been working great. I think it will continue to work out Mm -hmm. just great as well.
0: I think that's like, it's very inspirational. Cause yeah, I think that's a lot of things people are always like, oh, the ball and chain. And I just, yeah. I'm tired of that narrative. Cause it's also like, if it's your actual partner, you guys are actually friends and you want to build something together, it should be a positive experience. Like there's challenges and yeah. everything. Um, yeah. So did he just start taking over, like when he first started moving into the business, I'm curious more of like, did he just start- picking up things he could take that you were doing or like, was there a specific way you went about that? Or did he just kind of come in and like do everything that he could? Well, Kevin
1: knew where I was struggling just because I am so not an operations person. I'm definitely a 100% artist brain. So the things as we were getting busier that were requiring my attention, I just felt like I struggled with. Mm. And and i didn't want to do it i didn't there was just no part of me that that you know made me excited so when we decided to do that i'd be like hey listen you need to you know do all of these things so the learning curve also steep for him because there were so many moving parts that i thought oh this is perfect you know you can take this over and we've just kind of built on from that so it was mostly to start with things that you know from his business past were like, they were easy for him in the sense of, you know, once he understood the concepts and the ins and outs of the business, he's just an absolute genius at, you know, not only managing that, but, you know, helping grow the business. Plus it's exciting for us as a couple um, to do that. You know, you mm-hmm. both of your hearts and your minds are in the same spot all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. and then when you have these wins you get to celebrate them together too right yeah. and being an yeah, entrepreneur exactly. is a very independent like solo venture so it's cool to have a partner if you do it yeah, yeah absolutely do you have any um like any advice you would give to someone that is planning on whether it is a a romantic relationship or just a personal friendship where they're embarking on a business venture together. Anything to be mindful of, or uh, maybe something to implement prior, a conversation to have. Or, well, I am
1: actually really against partnering with people because I think a lot of times there's it ends, there's bad blood. It can be tough to you know you think you know somebody and then you know things go sideways and it, it gets ugly. I always say, proceed with caution. If you're going to team up with somebody Um, I think with Kevin and I, we have a good marriage um, and it was, it was something that did work out. It's case by case, to be honest, but starting out. I never partnered with anybody because um, my dad, who's a really successful engineer and entrepreneur, had always given me the advice of never to partner with anybody. He had done that in the past um, with his engineering firm, and it was nothing but a headache. And so I kind of grew up with that knowledge and thought, you know, it's probably good to to stay away from that. Aligning business goals sometimes with people is much harder to do than you would think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think, okay, you know, the two of us, you know, whether it was a friend or, you know, a different colleague that you team up with, um, yeah, I just, there is a lot of opportunities for it to go sideways. And I I suppose there's a lot of opportunities for it to go well, but that was just my, my mindset on it.
0: Hmm. I appreciate that. Um, definitely. So you also have, um, sorry, I'm like jumping all over the place, but on this whole note of working with your family or working with your partner, you guys also have a family together. And so your mom, you have a dog, like you have your own life and things like that. How do you manage balancing all of these different roles, um, that you have to play during a day?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I don't know with like a ton of finesse for starters, but I do my best. I think one of the things, um, as an entrepreneur, I've definitely not been a traditional mom in the sense of, you know, home cooked meals. And when the kids get home from school, I'm there. I mean, my kids are a bit older now. Um, so I've, I've really tried my best to, to balance it and one of the things that I always need to work on is just, um, not feeling like I haven't done enough, you know, because Mm -hmm. I'm not that traditional mom. I always, my mom was very much like the 1940s housewife. Like she, she cooked, she cleaned, she just did everything for us. And, you know, I don't clean my house. We have, you know, we've, you know, fortunate enough to have people that come in and do that, Um, you know, cooking and that kind of stuff is, is challenging. So it's just, it's a, it's a tricky balance. I honestly, I don't know that I'm, I'm good at it. I really try. And, and sometimes I feel better about it than others. And when, I'm really super consumed with work. Like if we're writing a course or something's going on, I just try and set a time for that, that it's like, okay, we're going to like, this is going to be super time consuming this week. And then, you know, we're going to put a hard, hard stop on that and and go back and either do something fun or with the kids. So, I mean, I think if you're an outsider looking in, you probably think it was pretty smooth and balanced, but you know i don't know that that's always how i feel in my heart about it
0: it it is um i like I'm like trying to build my own things and like, also have a job. I have a partner. I have friendships. I don't have kids. I don't have a business like yours. I can't imagine how you handle it. Cause I feel overwhelmed now. And so I'm like, I don't know how the heck you do it. Like there's only a certain number of hours in the day. So I, yeah. it's, it's definitely fascinating. So that's why I love having these conversations to like try and tap into your mind and understand a bit more. Um, well, there's also
1: people too, that I, I think like, how do they do that? Um, I mean, I definitely, when you say that about me, you're like, Oh my God, I don't know how you do that. But you know, it's, it's kind of like who you are, right? Like I was always an overachiever. I love being busy. I work really well under pressure. So that lifestyle for me maybe doesn't seem as crazy as it would for someone who is like, I need 10 hours of sleep. And I feel really overwhelmed if I've got too much work on my plate. So a lot of it comes down to that. And I mean, truly I have, I look at other people and I think there's no way I could, could do the things that they do. So.
0: Mm-hmm. It is it is crazy sometimes to to hear people's people's stories or their days, etc. Okay, so I'm jumping a little bit backwards here, but I just I honestly think it's one of the first things I learned about you about your journey. I always kind of saw your page um, before I kind of worked with you of um, just cosmetic tattooing, and then I I really got fascinated about you and what you're doing when it became more personal and more about a healing journey for. Um, your clients, but then I also learned about your own personal healing journey and your journey um, covering up your own tattoo. So I know you had thyroid cancer and you are a survivor of that, and um, you had a quite a um, large scar on your neck. And I saw the transformation. I didn't. I didn't know that you did it yourself until I saw that TikTok. Actually, <laughs> so can you maybe just share about that chapter of your life and maybe a bit of the takeaways you learned from maybe that experience of covering your own tattoo. Oh, sorry. Your own, your own scar. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so in 2013, I was diagnosed
1: with thyroid cancer and I mean, I had at that point in time been working in a cancer clinic and that news came as it would to anybody as a massive shock and it just kind of stops you in your tracks in life. Um, And I really felt like I knew too much. I had had Mm. clients that were terminal um, clients that, you know, had passed and, you know, being around that is, is a little bit different than maybe getting a diagnosis that, you know, you've, you've, you know, you have no idea about cancer and the journey. Um, So I don't know, maybe I kind of felt like I, I I maybe took it a little bit different than someone would. I mean, I've got nothing to compare that to, but that's sort of how I felt in my mind. So I had a complete thyroidectomy in June of 2013. And what's crazy about that story was we had a huge flood in Calgary. And the day of the flood was the day of my thyroidectomy. So um, one one of the things that were happening in the city at the time was the rivers were obviously flooding and they were flooding a lot of the physicians houses that were on the river. So, you know, I'm in there, I'm checked in like super early and, you know, I'm basically on this gurney waiting to go in. There's like kind of this like little waiting area that they put the people in that are going in for surgery. And I'm by myself now because I'm sort of like through the doors. Um, Kevin's waiting in the waiting room for me, but I can't like talk to him or anything like that. And and the other people that um, I were around were not chatty. Like I would have been, you know, like, (laughs) oh my God, let's pass the time, you know? And um, so I was just kind of sitting there solo and watching how frantic things were getting. And it was sort of stressing me out. And, you know, people would like be running by and I'd be like, excuse me, Um, I have a thyroidectomy. I'm just, you know, wondering um, what's going on. I was starting to even think like maybe the surgery wasn't going to happen Or, you know, worst case that I was going to get this doctor who, you know, whose house is flooding and he's trying to like mail it in (laughs) and get out of there to see what's going on. I was just like, you know, every every single like worst case scenario was going through my head. And Wait, um, so, so
0: did you, you knew people like, I'm trying to remember like that flood, like we knew it was going on for like a few days. Like it was kind of this yeah. looming thing. So you knew that people were getting stressed about the flood. Right. And then did you,
1: the flood was like
0: in full, bore. full flood. Like, okay. it was
1: the worst day of the flood, like the saddle dome. like the seats were floating in the yeah. saddle dome. Like Of course, I'm not seeing any of these pictures because I'm in the hospital, but that Mm -hmm. is what's going on. That's what everyone at that moment is seeing. So I finally get wheeled into a hallway, which again is just filled with people that seem frantic and are running. Um, And then so one guy was kind of walking by sort of slowly. So I grabbed him. I'm like, excuse me. um, I I just, I need to know if I'm actually going to have this surgery today. And if I am, can you please make sure that it's a thyroidectomy? They're not like going to amputate my leg. Like I was just thinking things are not going to go well. Like I don't need anything to go wrong today. So I did finally get into surgery, did the thyroidectomy, um, woke up in the recovery room um, and it was dead. There was nobody there. Um, And I think a lot of the staff had gone home because of the flood. So anyways, long story short, I got discharged and, and started that healing um, journey. I had that massive scar on my neck, which I didn't think I would be, you know, feeling self-conscious about. And I, I was not immediately after, but as I was healing, I was like, oh my God, like, this is really obvious. And those were the pictures you saw. So I, I kind of thought, all right, well, I'll just like keep this in perspective. Like you had a thyroidectomy, um, you know, I started wrapping my head around some of the things I could start doing, um, paramedical wise. And that was, I mean, that was a big turning point for people to see that I had done that. So I started working on my scar, like what I would do if someone came in.
0: Cause and- you were already, you were already doing, um, yeah, you had been doing it for a while, right? Cause you, you said yeah. you're working in the cancer clinic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to check that
1: so 2008, then fast forward to 2013, that's when this is happening. So when you work, when you work on scars, you can't typically work on them until they're about a year old. But I knew like, I knew where I could push it and where I couldn't. So I started doing a lot of different scar treatments that I do have clients do up until this day. And it can be, um, before that year mark. And, I just I used every trick in the book that I knew, and it was kind of then my mission to, you know, conceal this scar the best I could, and that's that's what I did. And when I did go back for my checkup, I mean, I'm still um, I still have an endocrinologist, and I still am a part of that journey of them monitoring things so that nothing um, comes back. But the doctor who did my surgery was blown away by what that scar looked like. And I remember him calling like every single staff member into the room to <laughs> see this. And um, to this day, I I have a massive population of surgeons and even yeah. just GPs who refer people to me. And, I, I, and that was the start of it because let me tell you, do- doctors cannot be marketed to. They are a group that... Are you know they're tight knit, and if they feel like they believe in something or someone, they'll refer you nonstop. But you you can't go in there and say like, hey, I do this, and you know I'd love to, you know, Mm -hmm. have you refer your patients. So that was that was a good turning point in how I gained a lot of the confidence of that medical community.
0: Hmm. Were you like? Because this is what I've always wondered. So like, would you just like sit in like your like bathroom mirror and like. Like do the scar yourself or like what was that process like?
1: You know, so I've tattooed myself a million times at home, but it was either like at home or the clinic. Um I I plugged away at things and I kind of became my own guinea pig as well. I'd be like, okay, I wonder if I put this skin pigment into the part where it was too light and I felt like it was standing out, then I would then create the image of it being more recessed and then it would look flatter. You know, so I would I would do these different things and and kind of have that I was you know I was experimenting on myself and and that gave me it's an, an education all onto its own.
0: Mm-hmm. And how do you think that you going through that whole journey has helped you connect with your patients? Then,
1: well, I definitely even though I was working at that you know time and before with a lot of people who were going through um, a cancer journey themselves. I I think I'm just by nature a compassionate and empathetic person, but I, I had a different level of understanding of what it feels like to either get that information that you have cancer or, you know, you're having potentially a body part removed and, you know, how that's scary. You know, I had small kids at the time and just the thought that goes through your head. I just, when I see somebody today like that, I just, I feel most of the time that I've walked a mile in their shoes. Um, and I definitely, I see things that are so much worse and more extreme than what I went through. And I mean, that just, I mean, that just makes you so humble, you know, to, to know that people are going through these things and, and they're usually doing it with such grace. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: It is, um, it would be a very like, uh, I feel like it would be a very like honorable experience to be able to like go through that journey with someone and help them along the journey. Like you are, you know, it's very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I can imagine a lot of times, um, your interactions with these, with your patients and how courageous they are as well too.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I, I found that was really kind of emotionally draining for me to start with was, I mean, people are very vulnerable, um, in those scenarios. And I mean, the stuff, the stories that I'd hear or, or just even knowing like what they were going through, I had a hard time separating that from my life, mm. like my work life and my professional life. And I mean, there were many, many times that I'd drive home and, and cry thinking about like how awful a situation was for them or, you know, learning that one of my clients had passed away. Um, so that definitely took some time to be able to separate the two things And I get asked that a lot, like, how do you do that? It must be so hard. And it is hard um, still, but I have a different focus, which is helping them and giving them often like confidence and hope, um, which is a really amazing thing to be able to do as well. I mean, me being emotional about their situation isn't terribly helpful. So, you know, I had to switch gears and, and put, you know, my efforts that way. And I mean, that's been, you know, amazing to do that.
0: Mm. Wow. That is, yeah, you can tell you've been in the industry for a while then that you can, that you can do that. Um, and you have the maturity to kind of separate it and really just keep it on, on them and helping them. Um, is there any stories that you think of or, or, or clients that really, um, stand out to you?
1: Honestly, Emma, like we could sit here all day, and I could tell you. <laughs> I could imagine.
0: There's so, there's so many of them.
1: Um, one that I think is really unique, and I I tell this one a lot, is um, I had a girl who um, had a cleft lip surgery. Obviously, like as a super small child and was really self-conscious about it and and her mom and dad found me and and brought her in and said you know would there be something that you could do for her um I later found out from her mom she told me privately that she was on antidepressants and just you know really struggling and you know friends and school and you can imagine you know people are not kind at that age um so I met her I looked at her scar and her lip um and I thought you know what yeah I can i I'd never done it before, but I was like, I mean, the artist in me just like figures out a game plan. I just like did it in my head while we were sitting there, you know, chit chatting. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I already have a plan. Let's, you know, we can do this and that. And, uh, were like amazing. So we did, I saw her about three times in the last visit. Um, her mom said to me that she was off her antidepressants and she had since got a modeling gig, like she was a beautiful girl. Um, and I just thought, wow, what a game changer that is for her and maybe what a different path her life might've Mm. taken in just feeling so insecure and, and down about that. So certainly, um, you know, a highlight that stands out to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm so curious about this one. You've kind of touched on some some things you've learned and you've gained um through your whole journey as an entrepreneur, but what do you think one of the biggest lessons have been um over your career?
1: Um my gosh, like there's been a lot. I think one of them is to stay humble. I think when you feel like you can make a big difference in people's lives, I think it can be Sometimes human nature to think like, you know, you're, you're really amazing at what you do. And you're all that in a bag of chips, which you may be. But I think for me, just always staying on the level of the people that I'm helping and kind of coming from a place of service for them Mm. is one of them. Um, And I really enjoy what I do. So It's easy for me to go to work, which, you know, not, isn't even something that I feel like is work. Like I've always just been so fortunate to do the things I do and and love what I do, which is, you know, I think a lot of people's dream just to have that, um, as a part of, of their journey. Um, so, you know, that's a big one. If you are fortunate enough to be able to figure out, you know, do what you love, um, you know, that's, that's definitely a great path to be on. Um. I have fun. We have such an amazing group of people that we've cultivated in this culture that, you know, everyone just has that energy about them. I'm luckily in a business that we're always making people feel good. So it's, it's easy to incorporate those things for me. But um, one of the hardest lessons for me um, that I've had to learn is to put um, community over competition. Um, I was really protective of, what I was doing and, you know, the education I had gotten and, you know, all just the blood, sweat and tears that I had put in. And, and when this started to take off, there was just a lot of people, I just felt like we're just copying everything I did. And I know that's supposed to, you know, you know, be something that's so flattering. I just found it to be the dead opposite. I was frustrated and, um, you know, from people stealing my photos saying it was their work to, you know, even I had people come in and try and secretly film what I was doing so that they could learn. I just, I was, that was just, it just made me really closed off. And I just thought I hate everybody that's in this industry. Like, there's no way, how am I ever going to have colleagues? You Mm -hmm. know, I just felt like everybody were predators. And so, you know, fast forward, I, that's, that's totally something in the rear view mirror. I've been able to kind of get over that and, um, you know, make, have friends in the industry, have people, you know, that you can lean on. And, and that's been such a better way to, you know, run a business and just in such a better mindset.
0: Mm. That would, I mean, I don't blame you for wanting to like be closed off if you're having those experiences of people trying to like, like literally stealing your work. I can imagine that would be super frustrating. But even like in personal lives, like the impact of community is just a game changer. It completely elevates- you as an individual, which will in turn yeah. elevate your business as well. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, okay. The closing cl- question I have for you is, um, a new question. I love questions. I like have a whole question list. I gather in the first <laughs> time. and I want to try this one out. I've never done this one. So if you could have dinner with one to three people, I understand if you don't want to choose all three dead or alive, who would it be? And why did you choose them?
1: Okay. this is such a good question. Um, <laughs> I could, I, I feel like it probably would, de- it depends on my mindset and my mood of that day. Mm-hmm. But today, this is who I would mm-hmm. pick. <laughs> um, I think the recent passing of Betty White makes her come to mind. I love her spirit. One of the things she said was, "You know, the key to a happy life is to not eat anything green and drink lots of vodka. And I was like, <laughs> she is my people. <laughs> Um, the other one, um, I would pick is James Corden because we watch him every night. I find him freaking hysterical and yeah, I mean, who better to have like a ton of laughs with, um, than him. Um, and then my last one is Tyler Henry, who is a medium to, um, a lot of the celebs and, and he has a show, which I am like, my husband always says I'm super obsessed with death and like paranormal and those types of things. So the things that happen with him are always just fascinate me. So I think it would be incredible to sit down and pick his brain about things.
0: Yes. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, I love that kind of stuff too. Like I'm all for it. I'm so open to yeah hearing these things. I fully am in it with them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love same. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. I'm going to keep that one in. It was great. Do it. I do it. It's a good
1: one.
0: <laughs> um, Jody, there's there's honestly so many questions I could continue to ask you, but I'm so grateful for what you shared today. Um, if people want to connect with you, hear more about your journey, work with you, or um, have you work on them, where can you be found? <laughs>
1: So if you're looking to be a client of mine, and that can definitely fall under cosmetic or paramedical, you can find me at cinnamon girl clinic. Um, And I do actually have a ton of international um, clients. So it's not unusual um, for us to have people fly in in a day. And if you are interested in learning my paramedical um, and, and figuring out how you could add that to your business, you can find me at Jody Stofsky.
0: Amazing. And everything will be in the show notes. I'll also put links to like your, specifically to your academy and things like that. Um, But Jodi, thank you so much for your time today. It was such a pleasure. Oh my God.
1: Likewise, I meant that was super fun.
0: I would like to take a moment to say a final thank you to Jodi for joining me on the Curious One podcast. I want to leave you with a small reminder that is a bit cringy, but just bear with me. The quote is by Sandra Burchaud. One day, I decided to no longer dim my light or magic for anyone or anything because I finally knew that truly being myself was the greatest gift I could ever give to the world. All right, my friends, go give your light to the world, and I will connect with you in the next one. If you would like to further this conversation and get in touch, visit my Instagram at The Curious One Podcast. For more information, resources, and show notes, please head to TheCuriousOnePodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well.